Welcome into another Busting Brackets podcast. I'm your host, Brian Ralph, joined as always by my co-host, Connor Hope. And today we're joined by Arden Cravalho of Busting Brackets as well, talking Pac-12 basketball. The Pac-12 released their preseason awards and rankings earlier this week, guys. I think everything went through without a ton of surprises. One thing that did raise some eyebrows, though, Connor, was Colorado coming in at number two and tied Oregon for the most first place votes. A lot of people in Pac-12 very high on the buffs. Yeah, and I'm one of those people, Brian. I, uh, you know, I, I have Colorado at thir- three in my uh, preseason rankings, not that far off from two. I do think, though, despite having McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay returning, tying Oregon, who I think is clearly the best team in the Pac-12 heading into this season in first place votes, maybe a little bit of an overreach for for some of the media on Colorado's part. But um, I think, honestly, that Colorado, Washington, Arizona trio can be put in whichever order you you want them to. Um, It really depends. I think for me, Colorado is the measuring stick by which the top of the Pac-12 is going to be determined. You know, if Colorado's closer to the top, I think we'll see the Pac-12 look a little bit weaker. If Colorado's closer to that third or fourth uh, spot in the Pac-12, you know, I think those top two to three teams, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, will probably have had to outperform and perform up to their freshmen's capabilities really early on. So, for me, Colorado's kind of that measuring stick for the top of the Pac-12, but two might have been a little bit of an overreach. I think that that was a bit of a surprise, but the team ahead of them, uh, Oregon, Arden, thanks again for joining us. I, I know yeah. you're really high on them and, and high on their potential this year. Yeah, of course. You know, Dana Altman, he pulled in one of, if not the best recruiting class in Oregon's history. Um, there's a lot of great players to be named also that were on the team before with Peyton Pritchard. And uh, you just got to think that Dana Altman has really gotten lucky with being uh, ha- having Peyton Pritchard on this team. It's his final season with the Ducks. He's taken this team to a final for his freshman year. You know, that historic chase for the Pac-12 championship last season. He's the heart and soul of this team. He got the first team all preseason or all-conference preseason award. So, I mean, if Peyton Pritchard is up to par, I think this Oregon team is, without a doubt, the best team in the Pac-12. I think Pritchard's probably the best returning player in the conference, Mm -hmm. but there are plenty of incredible freshmen coming in in this class. Uh, And I I think the teams that were slotted three and four in Arizona and Washington hold all, all most of those players, Arizona, of course, has the five-star backcourt of Nico Mannion and Josh Green coming in. Washington has Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels. Art, I want to talk about Washington with mm-hmm. you. How high is their seal? I know they had a lot – replacing a lot of the production from the last two years and last year's conference championship team. Mm-hmm. But you could argue they potentially have more high-end talent this year. How do you see the season going for the Huskies? Yeah, like you said, they're losing a load of talent from last year with David Chris, Matisse Thibel, Jalen Noel, Noah, Noah Dickerson. But like you said, Mike Hopkins, who's an excellent recruiter, he found his replacements right away. Jaden McDaniels, arguably the best freshman in the nation. Isaiah Stewart, Raquan Battle, and Kentucky transfer Quad A Green. That's a lot of talent right there. I think Washington's ceiling, uh, obviously they have the potential to win the Pac-12, 
Um, but I think they can go as far as a Sweet 16, Elite 8 possibly, but that's going to be tough for them. I think that's their ceiling right around there. Uh, they are going to rely on McDaniels and Stewart, I think, to carry them. There's that wild card of Green becoming eligible second semester um, and how quickly he sort of fits into the mold there. Uh, again, because they lost many players, depth could be an issue. And the same could be said for Arizona, Connor. Uh, Manning and Green are going to have to essentially carry the load because, as we saw last year, there's, there's a lot of question marks with most of the other spots on Arizona's roster. Yeah, I mean – I think they're, the reason why they dipped so far, you know, to fourth in the preseason media poll is because Brandon Williams um, got injured, unfortunately, and, and won't be able to play this season. And, you know, but they have a ton of depth in that backcourt. Behind Mannion and Green, you've got Max Hazard, the uh, grad transfer from UC Irvine, who led UC Irvine on their postseason run last year. Uh, Dylan Smith. Uh, redshirt senior has the capabilities to score and, and Dev, they bring back Devin Air Dutrieve who who was somewhat uh, underperforming last year kind of got lost in that rotation but you know I, I think that he's one of those players that could step up and and fill in that gap left by Williams the issue with Arizona is going to be in their front court. Uh, behind Zeke Naji and Chase Jeter, there's really not a lot of um, a lot to be excited about. I mean, you have Stone Gettings from Cornell, who scored at a high rate at Cornell, but the jump from the Ivy to be a top tier forward in the Pac-12 is not something that's easily done. And Ira Lee is going to need to step up and perform at the level that everyone thought he was going to be when he came in. Um, if you're relying on Chase Jeter to be your best front court player, I could see where people would have them outside the top three. I still think that they have enough talent in that backcourt, specifically between Green, Mannion, and, and Hazard, to make a run at the top three and, and finish second. But... Um, for right now, I mean, obviously the, the media is putting a lot of stock in that Brandon Williams injury as well as that relatively shallow front court. It's going to be a fierce battle in that top four. I think you got the exciting, uh, maybe more established team in Oregon, the newcomers, uh, team led by all the, the star newcomers with Washington and Arizona, the best returning group in Colorado. I think it's going to be a really fun dogfight at the top between those four teams to figure out who ends up winning the conference. But the next four teams, I, I think, Arden, are, are really interesting with USC, Arizona State, Oregon State, and UCLA. Uh, those teams came in at five, six, seven, eight, respectively, in that Pac-12 preseason poll. I think all of them are on the next tier. Is that, is that safe to say that they maybe have NCAA tournament aspirations but are a, a step behind that top group? Yeah, for sure. You got a second tier, like you said. Well, you got your first tier with Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Colorado, and then your first or your second tier with UCLA, U USC, and who else do I got in there? Let me check my standings for you real quick. You got uh, Arizona State and Oregon State. There you go. There you go. I couldn't think of it right off the top of my head. But yes, that's the second tier right there. I want to just say that I think LA basketball, you know, we've got the whole story with the Clippers and the Lakers being back. They're, LA basketball is back. I think college basketball in LA is back. UCLA and USC are going to have fantastic seasons. I think Mick Cronin might actually win the Pac-12 coach of the year. 
he had to do a little bit of recruiting with um, trying to get his players back as he did replace Steve Alford. But it seems like all the guys are in with him and they're going to have a good season, especially with Sharif O'Neal and Tiger Campbell being uh, not hurt, very healthy now and ready to go. Well, uh, how high do you think they'll, they can finish then? Because uh, I, I like, uh, well, let's put it this way. The addition of Cronin was not met with resounding praise, let's mm-hmm. say, uh, but there is talent on that roster. So yeah. how, how high do you think they could finish? Well, I have them projected at the fifth spot in the Pac-12, but I don't see no reason why they can't get as high as three. I mean, the Pac-12 is known for beating up on each other, you know, especially during conference play. So it's going to be a tight race, but, I mean, it's really up for grabs for anyone. I think UCLA could end up as high as three. Even USC could high up, end up high as four or three. It's going to be quite the battle in the Pac-12. It is nice that they're – actually is a number of teams that will be competitive in the conference unlike the past couple years yeah, but Connor USC the their their cross city rivals ended up at number five in that preseason poll uh, Andy Enfield some questions about his job security uh, have a top recruiting class coming in this year is it time for him to win now what what do you see expect from USC this year I mean, for Andy Enfield, it's all about cashing in on his top recruits. And it's something that he hasn't been able to do uh, in at USC. And and the, the jump he made from Florida Gulf Coast, where he was able to coach a team that created havoc on the defensive end, turned it into offense, and a pretty high-flying offense on the other end, is something that he hasn't been able to, to take with him, really, to USC. Um, USC has found itself playing a lot of half-court offense, which would be fine given their talent, but I don't know if Andy Enfield is is the type of coach that can coach a half-court offense at this level, or at least he hasn't shown that ability. Um, I think they have one of the more underrated or untalked about returning players in the conference in Nick Kosovich, uh, the 6'11 senior. Um, And who their second-best player, I think, is really up for debate I think Jonah Matthews is probably the most important player in the backcourt simply because he's the one outside of maybe uh, at the Akron transfer, Daniel Utome, who can hit threes at a high level. Uh, Quentin Adlish from Columbia did early in his career, but but kind of tailed off last year. Um, I, obviously, Isaiah Mosley comes in, and he's going to be a big uh, asset to this roster. I have them at fifth because I think if they perform to at least the average of their capabilities, they're the fifth best team in the conference. My only concern, and I think it's it's a big concern, is whether or not Andy Enfield will finally get this team to perform to expectations. That said, I think the one player in the media who voted USC as the first place team in the conference is out, out of his mind. It's got to be a home. I really think right? Isaiah Mobley. I think Isaiah Mobley is really the key for this USC team. I, he's my front runner for the freshman of the year, and if he's he's an athletic and lengthy big, and if he can average around fifteen and ten, I think this USC ceiling the ceiling for them is very very high. He's another one of those those star five star freshmen that are coming in this year that are, are really going to shape the conference and he he's good enough to match up with any of them and outplay any of them. So uh, it is going to be a lot of fun 
to see what he can do with the Trojans this year. Uh, but Connor, uh, another coach like Enfield, who's probably on the hot seat this year, maybe more so on the hot seat, is Wayne Tinkle up at Oregon State. Uh, the Beavers traditionally are not a Pac-12 power, but they have, I think, the the skill number of skilled players in place that could have them return to the NCAA tournament. What do you think their upside is this year? Hey, before we actually talk about that, can I just mention that actually Wayne Tinkle just today got an extension, contract extension to through 2022 and 2023 season. Yeah. I that was sounds gonna, like a Danny Manning extension. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, as long as they don't kind of reset the, the buyout, uh, um, it, it doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of, I, I guess, more so that he can continue to recruit. Mm-hmm. Th- that said, I think this year is the year that he has to win. I mean, Kyler Kelly and, and Trace Tinkle are both seniors, and so they're both gone. So you're losing your best offensive weapon and your best defensive player in the middle um, gone after this year. Ethan Thompson probably returns next year, but I, I still think that He's at his best when he, when he has Trace Tinkle or, or Kyler Kelly to really play off of. Outside of that, though, there's, there's not a lot there. So they're going to be heavily reliant on those three. Maybe Alfred Holland steps up. Maybe Peyton Dastrup from, from BYU can, can be somewhat of, a, of an addition that helps them. But this is the year he has to win, and I'm not sure he has the depth of talent to do it. Um, right now he'd be that first or second team in the Pac-12 that I'd have on the outside looking in when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Arden, I think Arizona State is in that same place for a lot of people. Uh, they've been inconsistent in the past couple of years, made the first four each of the last two years despite having a really, really strong non-conference play, uh, but have really fallen apart uh, in Pac-12 play over, over the past two years but still found their way into the NCAA tournament because of the way they performed early in the season. Have to replace some key players, Zylan Cheatham, Lou Dort. What do you think Arizona State's upside is? What do you see them – how do you see them performing this year? Yeah, I have them at that eighth spot for me uh, in the Pac-12 standing. So I don't see them actually getting in the NCAA tournament. Bobby Hurley's doing a good job. He's trying – he's getting some good recruits. He just got Jalen House from the L.A. area, area who I think is a great point guard with great upside. So that was a good get for him. But – yeah, he hasn't lived up to the expectations as much as the Sun Devil faithful have hoped. I think this team is going to have a rough season this year. Remy Martin will definitely be the highlight. He's one of the best PGs in the Pac-12. Uh, if Mickey Mitchell, uh, Ohio State transfer from not too long ago, can step up and be that second go-to guy for them, I think that would be really great for the Sun Devils. But it's going to be a rough year down in, uh, for the Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, I will say they have a number of returning players, uh, maybe not the star quality depth that we've seen, uh, but I, I do think they have a good balance of what they've been good at the last two years. Uh, if you remember two years ago, they were a really small perimeter shooting team uh, that really got beat up inside once they got in a conference play. Uh, last year, it was the opposite. They were a big team, played good defense, but couldn't shoot. This year, I think they have a, a bit of a, a happy medium of a little bit of size, probably still not as much as, as Bobby Hurley would like. Uh, and they have some good shooters, although, again, probably not as much as Bobby Hurley would like. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that goes them, and if they're able to find that consistency that's escaped them the past two years, especially in 
conference play. Where do you have them in the Pac-12? I like them probably in that five to six range. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on them than than most. I do think they're probably a step behind the top four in there. Uh, but I, I do think they make the NCAA tournament, and I think they make it without making the first four. I think they actually get in that, that first field of 64 and play a game on a, on a Thursday or Friday. Yeah, and I have them sixth as well. Um, honestly, what it comes down to really – I don't think they have the talent that USC does. Um, but I, I think that along with Jalen House um, and Jalen Graham coming in, they've got a lot of solid JUCO players coming in. And while that doesn't necessarily equate to top-level talent, you get players who have at least played against people, players that are 19, 20 years old. So they've mm-hmm. played against the size that comes with that. Um, whether they can make that jump into the Pac-12 is is yet to be seen. But I would argue that Bobby Hurley has had this team be the most, not the highest level threat in the Pac-12, but the most consistent in terms of how they compete in the non-conference over the past two years. And they've been competitive enough in 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 conference play to at least get by. And so if they can continue to be competitive in a much stronger Pac-12 um, and still keep that competitiveness in the non-conference. I, I kind of agree with Brian. I think that they'll be they'll be uh, decently safe when it comes to uh, the NCAA tournament. They'll probably still be in the bubble conversation, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it'll be like last year where they kind of barely scratched their way into, into the first four. Yeah, no Pac-12 team wants to go play at Arizona State. That's just not what they want to do, especially with that free throw distraction that they have over there. Well, I, I think one thing, too, we talk about how con- inconsistent they've been. Uh, they've been the most consistent team in the Pac-12. They're the only team that's made the tournament in the last two years, each of the last two years. And while the seasons have been marked by inconsistency in each one, uh, they've accomplished a lot. Uh, especially for a program that isn't used to necessarily uh, sustaining a, a good deal of success. So I think if they can find some consistency this year, I, I think there's some upside there. But again, that's the, the big question with them on a, on a day-to-day, game-to-game, week-to-week basis, if they can keep playing at that high level. Uh, we'll move to the bottom four teams. And, and Connor, I, I think the bottom four can be split into two tiers. I think there's that tier of nine and ten, with Utah and Stanford, where they're not quite NCAA tournament contenders, but are, are solid teams. And then the bottom part, uh, the bottom two, Washington State and Cal, that it's just always going to be Washington State and Cal because I think they're so far behind where the other 10 teams are in the conference right now. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it is those two teams, uh, Stanford and Utah, I think are definitely a step ahead. I would kind of split Washington State ahead of Cal a little bit because I think that if Kyle Smith can turn some of these relatively under-recruited players into solid contributors and keep the uh, keep CJ Ellaby uh, at the forefront of this offense figure out ways to incorporate Deion James and and Marvin Cannon into bigger offensive roles or Deion James into a big role and then Marvin Cannon make him a little bit more of a scorer you know, I think they'll be. I think they'll be at least two steps ahead of Cal. Um, whether they can jump Utah or Stanford, I don't think so. I know Arden does, 
However, you know, their biggest issue right now for me is I don't think they have a clear grasp of who their starting point guard is going to be. C.J. Ellaby can take the ball and, and kind of run that offense, but I think that they'll need someone else who can who can pl- make plays and, and find ways to get C.J. Ellaby the ball when he's open. So for me, I have Washington 11th. I still think that they are clearly better than Cal, um, but not quite at the level of Stanford and Utah. Yeah, Arden... I know you're you're a bit higher on Washington State, but how do you see kind of them and Utah and Stanford stacking up this year? Can any of them uh, get to a point where they're in that bubble conversation come March? Nah, absolutely not. None of them can, which is <laughs> unfortunate. But yeah, I kind of I would disagree with you guys on where the standings uh, kind of end up at the bottom. I got Washington State right at the the ninth spot, and then. Uh, Utah 10th, and then Stanford, and then following at the last place is Cal. That's what I kind of picture it to be. I think C.J. Ellaby can just lead this team and be a scorer and get a huge amount of points that will get some uh, big wins in Pac-12 play. And uh, Stanford and Cal, I mean, they have some good players with Oscar De Silva and uh, Paris Austin, local kid from the Bay Area, but I don't think they have enough to beat a Washington State Cougar team, especially with the new head coach, Kyle Smith from USF. He's did a phenomenal job at the Hilltop in San Francisco. So I think the Washington State uh, Cougars are going to have a good first year with uh, first-year head coach, Kyle Smith. Yeah, I mean, Utah and Stanford really have two different, very different issues. I would actually argue that Stanford's starting five, starting five is probably a top half of the conference starting five. After that, they pretty much have nothing. Isaac White can hit threes, but but other than that, I, I don't see them having enough to compete uh, if they get past their top six at all. Utah's different. I'm not as I'm not as uh, inclined to say that they're starting five outside of, of Timmy Allen. Maybe maybe the freshman Rylan Jones is that great, um, but they've got a lot of of depth in terms of of promising young players. So I think Utah will be better in a year or two, but I think Stanford can compete in the middle right now. I don't think they'll win a lot of games because I think that once they hit those seventh, eighth, ninth players in their rotation, they're just going to get run out of the gym. Well, I think Utah the coaching advantage too. Uh, Christoiak's one of the, I think, more well-respected coaches in the country, um, despite not having some of the accomplishments of uh, some of his peers. But Utah's been in the rebuilding phase for a while now, so I think it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of if they can show any signs of progress this year. Uh, but, Connor, let's go back to the rankings. Uh, we talked earlier about that, that group of four at the top. Who do you think is going to win the conference this year? I, I think that Oregon in the regular season is going to win. I think they just have too much talent not to be the clear favorite to win the regular season championship. Um, and as always, I mean, the conference championships are, are a little bit more open, uh, but that's really going to come down to which team is the toughest uh, because you have to win, what, four, three games in a row if you're at the top or more if you're, if you're closer to the bottom, uh, which I would kind of – put then Colorado and Washington in, in that conversation, um, Arizona, 
but but for the regular season title, I think Oregon has a clear talent advantage over every other team in this conference, uh, and I think that they should be the favorites to take home the hardware. Yeah, I think we're all at a pretty good consensus on that. Art, I know you talked about your pick at Oregon earlier. So how many of these teams do you think are going to end up making the tournament? I know we talked about eight really legitimate contenders. So how many of those eight do you think get in? Yeah, I got six uh, heading into the NCAA tournament. I got Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Arizona. Those four are for sure going to make the uh, the, uh, NCAA tournament. And I also got UCLA and USC sneaking in there. So I think the Pac-12 will be very competitive, and they'll be a tough out for any conference team or any team in the country when it comes uh, March Madness time. Yeah, I, I have six as well. I agree with the top four. And then I think you could pick any two of, of that next group of four with the L.A. schools, Oregon State and Arizona State. I would lean more towards Arizona State getting in from that group. Uh, for the reasons we talked about earlier, but I do think that final number is going to be six. Uh, Connor, I, I do know, though, that you think it's going to be a little bit less. Yeah, I think it's going to be five. I think it's going to be Oregon, Colorado, Washington, and Arizona. I would say that Colorado is probably the safest bet for me to get in just because they have the experience um, to to kind of know where exactly they're going to be. But, but obviously, I think all four of those teams are kind of safe. Um, for me, it comes down to how well USC plays. If USC plays, um, you know, at at the level that I think they're going to play, they could definitely get six. Um, but if you, USC kind of tails off, I do agree. I think Arizona State gets in. So for me, it's going to be five or six. Um, I'm leaning. I am actually now leaning a little bit more towards six. But it, it comes down to Andy Enfield, and I never feel safe betting on that guy. Yeah, I think we're in the same boat. I personally, I, I'm not expecting big things from the Trojans this year, and I'll personally be surprised if he's back but for USC next year. They, they just got uh, Lynn Swan resigned. They're going to have a new AD. Uh, Lynn Swan was kind of the, the big reason why Enfield was still there. Um, so I think a new AD is going to come in and, and want to hire a new, a new guy, and I don't know if Enfield's going to give him enough, or whoever it is, enough reason to want to keep him around. Uh, so – Connor, of, of those five teams that you mentioned, how many do you think are legitimate Final Four national championship type contenders? I really don't think any of them are... are well, okay, let me rephrase that. Oregon is probably a team that you could legitimately say has the talent to be a title contender. That said, I would be incredibly surprised if any Pac-12 team made it to the Final Four. I think there are just a, a ton of teams out there that are far more talented, that have a far better combination of talent and experience on their rosters um, to get in. And, and not taking anything away from Oregon. I mean, Peyton Pritchard, Anthony Mathis, Shakur Justin are all incredibly experienced, incredibly talented players. But I, I just think that there's there's at least eight or nine teams out there that I would put ahead of Oregon in any ranking. Um, but Oregon's probably the closest to that point of all the Pac-12 teams. Yeah, I agree with uh, Connor right there completely. I think Oregon is, when it comes to the preseason AP rankings that are going to come out pretty soon, I think Oregon will be outside of the top 10. There's just too much talent across the country, and it'll be a tough uh, road for them to get to the Final Four. But like Connor said, it is quite possible with the load of talent they got and Peyton Pritchard leading the way. 
Yeah, I, I agree from the standpoint of I don't think any Pac-12 team makes a Final Four, but if one will, uh, it, it's going to be Oregon for those reasons you guys mentioned. And with, with Pritchard, he's the only one uh, really in the conference, uh, the only player in the conference that I trust to kind of make the big plays that you're going to have to make uh, at some point late in games to, to have the team advance that far. Well, I don't think they're going to go that far. That said, uh, my bold prediction, we, we've gone through our bold predictions for every conference so far in, in these conference previews. My bold prediction for the Pac-12 is that they get four teams in the Sweet 16. They're going to take up a quarter of the Sweet 16, and then four of those six teams that I think are going to make it uh, are going to end up playing on the second weekend. I, I think we look at the big three with Oregon uh, and Arizona and Washington making it. Oregon, for all the reasons we talked about, Arizona – I think their backcourt's going to come up big and guard play always uh, plays a bigger factor in NCAA tournament games. And Arizona is going to have one of the best backcourts in the country. Uh, and Washington, I think, has some matchup problems. They can provide some people, particularly with, with McDaniels as sort of that, that 6'10 versatile forward. And then one of, one of the other three, whether that's Arizona State, Colorado, whoever, uh, I think has a talent to get there based on the draw that they get. And I'm going to assume that one of them is going to get a, a somewhat favorable draw. So i got four Pac-12 teams in the Sweet 16. Arden, give me give me your bold prediction for the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, I mentioned it a bit earlier in the podcast. I said Mick Cronin was going to win the Pac-12 Coach of the Year, and I'm sticking by that. I think he's, like I said, he had to re-recruit some players, try to get Prince Ali, uh, Cody Riley, uh, Jules Bernard, all those players to recommit to the Bruins uh, system and want to play under him. And then he did some other, he's got some other healthy players coming in with Sharif O'Neal and uh, Tiger Campbell. So I think he's got quite the roster that can really uh, surprise a lot of people in the Pac-12. And because of it, I think he'll win the coach of the year. Connor, give me yours. I, I, I kind of have two. I, I think that regardless of how many Pac-12 teams get into the Sweet 16, and I don't think it's going to be that high. Uh, I think one or two, maybe. I, I That's think, why it's bold, Connor. That's why it's bold. I think that Colorado's going to have the most postseason success uh, between the the Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament, simply, simply because, you know, the team is an extension of the head coach, and for as much as I don't like Tad Boyle, and I think that Colorado has kind of reached their peak with him before, um, he's a tough coach, and, and this is a tough team. And if I'm betting money on on which of these teams can win the most games in a row, in a row, um, in in consecutive days and, and consecutive weeks, I'm going to put my money on Colorado. the The other one I think is a little bit more bold is is I would not be surprised. In fact, I'm predicting that Oscar De Silva of Stanford wins Most Improved Player of the Year in the Pac-12. I I, I think that last year behind Casey Akpala, behind Josh Sharma. You know, he wasn't really able to, to hit his stride. Um, but with the talent that they have running the point and his ability to hit the three, I think he's going to be the most important player on this Stanford team to keep them competitive. And I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged 15 to 16 points per game um, and, and over 40% shooting from three. He's one of those talented guys who's now suddenly going to get a much bigger opportunity 
and have a much higher usage rate. And a lot of times that plays in a, fa a factor in those kind of awards. He's going to have the opportunity to finally show what he can do. And the potential is there. And to, I think potentially run away with that award. Um, if, if he kind of follows through and everything falls into place for him. Well, that does it for this episode of the Busting Brackets podcast. Thank you guys very much for listening. And thanks to Arden Cravalho for joining us. Make thanks. sure you listen next time. We'll talk to you then. Thanks.